Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf, once again talking about the game we all love. Phil, hello to you. We are on the verge of another cherished event on the snooker calendar, the Champion of Champions. Brilliant event these days, guaranteed top-class entertainment for the next week. And we just can't wait, can we? No, absolutely. It's. Uh, I feel like I say this about a few tournaments, so maybe I should be a bit more selective, but it is one of the highlights of the calendar for sure. Um, and after we just had a sort of one of those quiet weeks, qualifiers, watching them on streams with no commentary. So to burst back into one of these sort of glamorous ITV events is, is really nice. So, yeah, lots to look forward to this week. Yeah, no, glamorous, glamour, that's the good way to, to, to describe the champion of champions. I think from, from the moment it came back and it's modern guys, and let's, let's just clarify, it's a tournament actually with a historical name. There were Champion of Champions events in 1978 and 1980, but it came back in 13. And in its modern guise, it kicked off with a bang. The minute you saw it, you thought, hang on, what am I watching? This is a bit different. This looks good. And I watched Snooker week in, week out type thing. It had a, an early mention of Gravitas, but it did. It, it had that quality to it from the word go. I really liked it in Coventry, actually. It's moved around a bit. It's now in Bolton, but it's got that kind of, Big time feeling. And you know what, Phil? I was looking over the roll call of winners. I mean, going back to the early days, uh, I think it was Reardon and Mountjoy. So that, that's a good way to kick it off. Then the modern guys, O'Sullivan, O'Sullivan, Robertson, Higgins, Murphy, O'Sullivan, Robertson, Allen, Trump. Uh, bad snooker players don't win this event, Phil. No, well, you struggle to get in the event if you're a bad snooker player. So um, just by the nature of it, it is likely to be a top name. And it's only been top names that have won it, haven't it? So, yeah, everything about it is good. Uh, the the trophy, you know, I'm a big trophy fan. I enjoy the trophy for this one. The big sort of bowl, it's, it's very impressive. Um, I suppose last year it did. It was this event that caused quite a lot of controversy over the 
shirts and the the infamous dance cam and stuff. So um, we've not really been had any leaked details about what we can expect this time around, but um, they'll be wearing something that they don't normally wear in tournaments, and there might be one or two other innovations. So we'll see. Um, I know I spoke to I speak to someone in match room, and I couldn't get any early pictures or anything they'll wear, but I know the shirts are being made by Puma Golf. Um, so they'll be sort of have a, a sporty vibe. And I'm sure there'll be an improvement on those um, quite shiny ones last year, which I wasn't that offended by, but I know some people were. They looked kind of soaking wet, didn't they? I know they were. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of the, the... I mean, listen, it's fixtures and fittings, for heaven's sake. But, of course, you know, I think we've all had our say to some extent. I, I don't lose sleep over it either way. I like the smart... Uh, dress for the very big tournaments I think this as we said before is the ideal tournament for experimenting it's had that experimentation vibe from the word go really in the way they present things there's a bit of pizzazz about it and it fits in with kind of the matrim ethos I think of trying new things and I think actually Emily Fraser was on with Dave Hendon wasn't she and I think she also sort of kind of said when she was on the snooker scene podcast it was a bit of a rush job yeah good idea but they kind of rushed it a bit and that that's not a crime i, I think they were okay but we probably expected something a little bit uh uh more sartorial this time shall we say and, and perhaps more in keeping with what they're actually looking for but i said one thing's absolutely guaranteed phil we're going to see some cracking action on the table i mean it it's just you know some of the very very best players in the world and, and one who's one of the best players in the world is being a chauffeur Mark Williams <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's ferrying his mate Lee Walker about <laughs> yeah those tweets are great he looks he looks suitably grumpy about it which is it is uh, the intended thing from Lee I think um, but yeah he would he, he really wanted to get in there to be playing but he's going to be there anyway uh, on driving duties um, yeah the first round's interesting isn't it because obviously it is big names but then some not really big names as as the nature of it. You know, the senior champion, the women's champion. And because we had some shocks over the last year, haven't we? Then the likes of Fan and Perry and Day um, and Milkins. Uh, the first round is sort of, is, is quite an interesting one, isn't it? It is. And I think it's kind of lined up. Oh, listen, anything can happen. Uh, it's kind of lined up to be very good, very, very good evening matches like top heavyweight meetings. I think the evenings are going to be not to be missed, which is, again, what you want for... I mean, we're talking from a very UK and European perspective here. People listening from Australia are watching it at a different time. But if we sort of presume that most of our listeners are from this part of the world type thing, it's evening coverage, prime time, which is great for ITV4. And, uh, you know... And the thing I think about this is, you know, I talked about the roll call of winners. This is kind of the kind of event when the big hitters do kind of hit their stride because most of them love it. If you think about mm. someone like Sean Murphy, obviously Ronnie, Judd, they're big occasion, Mark Allen now, they're big occasion people, big crowd, one table. We said only recently how much sort of Mark Allen has thrived in this environment before, won the champion of champions, won the Masters. Ronnie's maybe at his very best when it's these one table events. He's just done the, another, you know, brilliant week for him in Hong Kong, of course. So, and it's so close to the UK, they'll be peaking for that as well. So I think, I mean, we should see lots of really good breaks, lots of really good snooker, especially when we expect those big hitters, if it goes with form, to meet in the evenings. Yeah, those those evenings all week 
uh, there's not. There, I mean, there could be some <laughs> some of the biggest shots in the history of snooker, really. Uh, but there's a few that you can't really see happening. Um, some obviously more likely than others. You know, Brussels beating Trump before the fire could beat Higgins, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's a, a decent chance that all the seeded players would win. And then, yeah, if that if that does happen, Trump, Allen, Selby, Higgins, Robertson, Kyron, Zhao against Ronnie in the evenings in the first four days. It's great stuff. And uh, should I mean they always do well on ITV for uh, numbers wise, don't they? So um, you'd expect good figures for those. No, you really, you really would, and uh, perhaps we should go through then and look at the matches starting tomorrow here in the UK at Monday. Then Monday afternoon, uh, Mark Selby against Lee Walker. Well, this could be a long old affair, actually. I, I, I said, looking at the career record, uh, two one in favour of Walker. Uh, very, un- very well, unlikely. Walker, as you say, the, the world's seniors champion. That was very much his finest hour. Uh, but obviously, Selby a bit. A strong favourite. He, he showed patches, hasn't he, Mark, of really looking back to his best this season, uh, but back, maybe at other times not being quite up to it and sort of maybe not looking like quite the sort of tournament winner yet. But listen, he, he's such a big star here. But of course, I was reading some copy that reminded me, with very good reasons, if you think about his mental health issues, it's 18 months now since that last tournament win for him, his last world title. Yeah, it's crazy that it's been it's the World Championship was the last one, wasn't it? But um, yeah, he's getting back. It was never going to be sort of flick a switch and suddenly he's playing his absolute best again, but he's getting there uh, and he's not too far away. He's looked brilliant in patches, as you say. Um, and yeah, I mean, Lee's not been on the tour this season anymore. He won the seniors. Um, he'll obviously be practising hard for this. He's always around the game. He's just like coaching and stuff uh, with Liam Davis and all sorts of players, really. Um but yeah, this is this is one of the ones where it would be an absolutely giant upset if, if Mark didn't win that. Um, I mean, Lee Lee's quite a slow player, isn't he? I think a part of that was down to sort of injury. He had, I think he had back problems. But um, I, I guess he, he got some success later in his career, sort of grinding players down a bit, I suppose. Um, but you ain't grinding Selby down, I don't think. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Mark's almost certainly going to win that, to be fair, isn't he? Vanishingly rare the occasions when you when players tend to grind Mark Selby down and uh, yes I don't think we'll see average shot times um very low in 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 that match but nevertheless I tell you what we will see we'll see some proper old ring craft table craft yeah. sure in that one and we might also in in John Higgins against uh, Hossein Bafai uh, Higgins has won their last uh, three meetings you have to favour. Uh, John in that one again. He's shown sort of patches at times this season. Maybe other times he's flattered to deceive a bit, but he'll obviously be a favourite. And this is going to be a theme of what we're talking about. The smart money is on on, on Selby Higgins, and what a Monday night that promises to be. That's just going to be a fabulous watch. Yeah, I mean, you said their last three. I think that's their only three times they played with Fine Higgins, doesn't it? And Higgins won all three. But um, you certainly wouldn't rule out. I say, how saying he's capable of beating anyone on his day, isn't he? And uh, He's just played, we're speaking on Sunday evening, he's just played in English qualifiers today and got a good win. So um, he'll be sharp, be feeling good. Um, but he's not had an amazing season yet so far since making his Crucible debut at the end of the last season. Um, yeah, Higgins' favourite. But yeah, Higgins is, is slightly unpredictable. Um, he got to all those finals last season. Uh, it was the last tournament, wasn't it? And he lost to Milkins and he, he looked really, really bad. 
um, having looked really good in the previous round when he'd beaten Jackson Page. Um, so yeah, you're not you're not certain what you're going to get from John, and this would not be one of the big surprises. It would be a surprise definitely, but it wouldn't be one of these giant surprises that could happen in these other games if Hussein won. So um, yeah, I, you'd favour Higgins clearly, but um, that should be a good one. It's arguably the tie of the round. Um, there's one or two in, in contention for that, but that that would get a lot of people's votes for tie of the round. I think. You're quite right, of course. Sir. I've got Hedan here. Higgins won their three previous meetings. I'm not quite sure what I said last there, but never mind. On to Tuesday, Neil Robertson, uh, Fan Zhengzi. Now, of course, that's, as you say, one of the surprise players there. And Fan hasn't done an awful lot since, but he did have a win in English Open qualifying, I notice. Yeah, uh, yes. Okay, yeah. So that, that that's going to boost his confidence. And they've only just played, actually, the Northern Ireland Open, a match I, I must admit I didn't really follow. Robertson winning that uh, 4-2. And... Again, you have to fancy Neil pretty strongly there. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we've been saying, Neil is, is also a big one-table, big-occasion man, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. This, um, this feels like a tournament for him. He's won it twice before. He's looked very good um, so far this season. S- surprising losses, really. I mean, he's looked so good when he's been winning matches we said last week it's hard to see him losing, but everyone loses, um, and he's no different. But um, yeah, I can't see, can't see him losing to Fan. I'm afraid uh, he's yeah he won he won yesterday. He's he's obviously very capable. What he did last year at the European was last season. Sorry, was absolutely inc- just one of the most amazing things in the history of the sport. Genuinely, um, but he's not he's not followed it up yet. He's still very young. He's still got plenty of time to follow it up, but it's not. It's not turned his career around uh, overnight, as it were. Uh, and yeah, Robertson, Robertson would be a heavy favourite against almost any player on the planet, and certainly fan falls into that category as well. Definitely, yeah, it, yeah. It was a surprise that it was a semi in Northern Ireland, wasn't it? When maybe there was just too much. And I, I don't think Neil's the kind of person to think, or everyone's saying I'm, I'm winning it really affected him, but. Maybe it was kind of too obvious and, you know, we should have maybe given Mark Allen a bit more of his dues going to that. But Robinson didn't really show up that, that night, which happens, of course. But generally speaking, you know, he, he he's on the ball most of the time and you expect that to be the case in this week coming up. Uh, Curran Wilson, Ryan Day, yeah, interesting one. Uh, of course, Ryan Day's had that marvellous recent success, so the British Open, so he'll, have, he'll certainly have good, good feelings about it. Uh, Curran, obviously, favourite and... We've got a, a potential uh, Robertson-Wilson uh, lined up for that night. It's it's the birthday of a certain talking snooker co-presenter, uh, Phil. I couldn't wish for a better birthday present than a potential group final of Robertson-Wilson. Robertson Day would be good as well. Any of those options would be good. But again, it's looking at the favourites. You kind of think Neil against Kyron. Yeah, you'd guess so. I was looking at the head-to-head there and the day in, in all their previous meetings. So it's when you include all the Championship League and the shootout and everything. Day is 10-7 up on Kyron, um, which was a bit of a surprise, I suppose. But he's, he's been around a lot longer. So some of that was right at the start of Kyron's career. Um, but yeah, having said that, Kyron, Kyron's a clear favourite. Um, you never know what to expect from Ryan Day, really. Do you? Like, he obviously did brilliantly to win the British Open. He's won tournaments before. Sometimes you watch him play and you think, how has he not done more in the game than he has? And he's done plenty. Um, but he lets you down other times, whereas Kyron's the much more reliable of the two, isn't he? Um, 
he's uh, not always spectacular, but you always you, you very rarely get a stinking performance from him um, or even a bad one. Uh, so yeah, you'd you'd fancy Kyron, and uh, Kyron Robertson looks very interesting again. Like I said, Robertson's the heavy favourite against most people, and he would go into that one as favourite. But uh, memorably, Kyron beat him at the Crucible and and made it look reasonably comfortable, didn't he? So um, there would be a be a one to look forward to that. I think, I mean, you said this with so many players, but I, I really think it's sort of a mentality and confidence thing with Ryan Day. I mean, when he's sort of buzzing and has that sort of feel, like he got in that final, he builds up heads of steam. And he's a, he's a marvellous player. I wouldn't say unstoppable, but he's got that sort of thing about him. He can go on runs of frames. He, but then, you know, when he has that head down thing, as he does, and, you know, but it's been, a, let's say it again, been a hell of a turnaround. I mean, I've been writing a bit of copy on him recently, reminding myself again about how, how low he was when he lost to Peter Lyons, actually, at the UK. This was the end of last year. And he was like, this is it's a bit much, really. Not quite saying he was quitting or anything like that, but he, he, he definitely, I think, thought that the days of him winning stuff and big stuff was over. So to turn that round, uh, Chris Henry, I think, has been a factor in that, hasn't it? Uh, as it is with a lot of guys. Mm. And then to win that tournament recently was just a, a marvellous effort. So it will be an interesting... A day that one, but I think for me the the best day of them all is actually Wednesday, in my view. I think Judd Trump, Luca Purcell, and Mark Hanlon, Joe Perry is just um, a delightful couple of matches there. Yeah, definitely. Trump Purcell sound looks uh, like it's guaranteed excitement. Uh, Allen's the player of the season so far looks superb, and Joe Perry probably never expected to be playing in a champion of champions again, so he'll be loving it. Um, and looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah, the, the prospect of really any of the like, meeting in the quarterfinals is great. But again, as we've said a few times, goes by the seedings. Um, if if Trump will have to be playing well to get past Brazil, and then to me, if it's likely Allen, you know, that's a superb gaming prospect. Um, Trump Trump's had a funny one so far this season. Again, like we're saying, that Selby really, he's looked uh, good in patches, but he's not he's not really delivered yet, has he? He's not reached. Uh, the proper deep ends that he would expect to at tournaments. Um, and Brazil's always dangerous. Uh, if, if Brazil turns up on form, you never quite know what he's going to do, but uh, his top form is good enough for anyone. Um, and yeah, like I said about Alan, he's just been uh, brilliant and looks like he's found the consistency, or well, he certainly has it at the minute anyway, that um, that he, he sort of lacked in the past. So yeah, that's, that's a superb day of action. Yeah. Alan's never kind of struck you before as, I mean, obviously, he's always had the potential to be the player of the season, any season, but he's never quite struck you as that type and never has been. But mm. he does a bit now. He has got that stature. Actually, he could, I mean, listen, easy to say, but he's had a good start. But he has that kind of thing now that this could this could be a vintage campaign for him, actually. When you have a start like this, it gives you a hell of a platform. Phil, I'm going to do one of the guests of the years, if you haven't looked at it. Um, if you have, it's quite boring. Um, some of this is what you're saying. If you, if you have it, it's quite boring. But if you haven't, it, it's quite boring. But anyway, listen, first match between Mark Allen and Joe Perry. I haven't looked. Um, when did Mark Allen turn pro? I'm going to say 2008. It's a very good guess. It was 06. I think earlier than I'd have gone for as well. No, no, most certainly. Uh, quite seemed like Allen's been around that long, but <laughs> the 06 Grand Prix. And uh, well, their last was in the in the uh, Welsh Open this year. That was 
Perry winning that actually in the decider four three, and that was on the way to his famous victory there in Newport. So um, yeah, um, Perry's capable in that match, but just you know, he's, this is the wrong time to play Mark Allen. <laughs> he just yeah. off a massive success. You know, he's on cloud nine. He likes this event. You know, again, he's one of those that loves the big table thing. He's a a big occasion kind of player. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one for Joe, no no question. Uh, Bissell had a, a, a win over Trump at the Tour Championship earlier this year. So mm. that, again, on that one table feel. So Luca's not one to shy away from this kind of kind of match. And you're right, Joe doesn't quite hit the heights. But then he, you know, <laughs> he's just the type to make something as big as this be his first one of the season type thing. So, um, again, you know, Purcell against Perry would not be in any way an astounding match if it turned out to be that. Not at all. But it would be something really stunning, I think, about Trump and Allen, you know. Just just, just the way they play, the styles, the quality, just, you know, the respect they have for each other, just the gung-ho sort of spirit, that would be something else, wouldn't it? It would. And, and Brussel against Allen would be as well, because if Brussel's beating Trump, then he's obviously playing well. And I love watching him. He, when he's playing well, he's brilliant. Makes it look so easy, which a lot of them do, but um, he's great to watch. But yeah, um, an informed Trump versus an informed Allen is, uh, is dynamite, really. That would be superb. Yeah, I remember that. I remember Brussel beating Trump at the Tour, and that's when Judd was in that real low, wasn't he? I think it was after that game... That he was saying he's going to have a break from the game and he had enough, and uh, so he's in a much better place than he was than he was then. The results might not quite be where he wants them to be, but um, he's certainly feeling better in himself and in his game. I think that's what the noises he's making anyway. But yeah, superb day coming up that one. Yeah, then we're on to Thursday, and this is just the beauty of the tournament. It's just you know, one day's great, and you think, and tomorrow's bloody brilliant as well. And here we got Ronnie O'Sullivan, Robert Milkins. Their first meeting was was 22 years ago, Phil, at the 2000 Grand Prix. And, uh, well, I was looking through the head-to-heads, and actually Wilkins only ever beaten O'Sullivan at the shootout, and on some levels that doesn't really count. Ronnie, Ronnie a, a major favourite for that, uh, as, of course, will Zhaozing Tong be against Mick Nucherat. Uh, but we saw, again, you know, from, from Mink at the World Mixed Doubles, how, you know, she doesn't shy away from the, from the big event, and... She gets her scoring going. She, you know, she could she could be a danger in in that. So uh, again, you know, I feel like a bit of a broken record talking about mouth watering evening prospects. But obviously, O'Sullivan Zhao for different reasons. The meeting of two different generations and both such sparkling talents would, would would be something else. But I think that you know, for, forget getting to that. I just think O'Sullivan Milkins and shouting Tom Mink is a very intriguing afternoon. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be great to see Mink on TV again. Um, she was one of the star of the shows at the, at the Mixed Doubles, wasn't she? Um, obviously a serious challenge here for her. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It's the scoring. She hasn't really shown her scoring that well on, on tour yet. She obviously can. You know, she, she's famously been the only woman to make a, one, a record of 147, so she can do it. Um, but she hasn't hadn't been able to show that off uh, as a pro yet. I was watching her English Open qualifier, which was really exciting. Um, she was 3-0 down to Chen's fan, got it back to 3-3 um, and forced to decide. And uh, I think that the sixth frame that she won, I think a high break was 14 or something like that. But she, a safety play, superb. She, she needed snoopers in that, in that frame. Um, so tactically, she's, she's brilliant. But 
to compete with these guys, these top guys, yeah, you'll, the scoring will have to be there. And scoring is certainly not an issue for Jarrett Um, But yeah, that's going to be interesting. Great to see. I'm actually, I, I hate teeing up things before I've done them in case things don't happen, but I'm supposed to be going down to Victoria's tomorrow to to speak to Mink. So that should be very interesting. Never met, met her before. Her English isn't amazing, but it's a lot better than my tie. So we'll see how we get on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that hopefully something will come out before before she plays. And then, um, yeah, you'd fancy Ronnie to beat Milkin. Milkin's the same throughout his career. If he plays really well, he's a, he's a, he's a handful for anyone, but you'd, you'd fancy Ronnie. And then Ronnie versus Zhao, I guess, um, sort of the master versus the apprentice. I'm not sure how much they've been working together of late, but they certainly were up to the World Championship and around the World Championship. And they've only played once, and that was right at the start of Zhao's career. It was a few years ago, 2016, I was looking. So they've not played since they've had this sort of relationship together. Um, so that's that'll be really interesting to see uh, if Ronnie sort of wants to give him a give him a lesson on the table and prove prove what how he should be playing. So yeah, that that would be a really that would be one to look forward to seriously. Definitely, and. Uh- there's a lovely relationship, I think, between a lot of those top Chinese players and Ronnie. There's a bit of a bit of a hero worship thing, but you know, not to a damaging extent. They'll still take their game to Ronnie and tend to do so when they play them when they when they play Ronnie. But there's a really nice, almost paternalist thing, isn't there? I think a little bit, certainly with those guys in the twenties, like Shaozing Tong, the ones that are even younger, and the ones that are in their teens. Ronnie has that kind of watchful eye on them all. And there's a really nice sort of thing developing there. I'm sure, you know, he already is working with players, but I'm sure when Ronnie winds down his player activities, he might get even more involved with the kind of coaching side of things. And, uh, you know, we'll see that develop. But Victoria's nice, uh, nice little uh, trip there again. That's a special place, isn't there? So I hope you will report back which, which sort of stars you you see there. And, uh, and Mink, yeah, I saw, I saw Mink a little bit at the doubles and... Uh, she, she, you know, I think you mentioned it yourself. She's a, she's a delight. She really is. She's so lovely when she speaks to the media and so pleasant and a real sort of, um, you know, lovely nature. And so that that would be a very nice chance for you, I think, to get some nice lines. As you say, it's that it's nice to hear from some of those overseas stars that you know, f- f- often for language barrier reasons, we don't often hear enough from. Yeah, and it's certainly harder to, from an interviewing point of view. Of course, it's harder if um, it's not so much they don't understand your questions. Their English is is good enough to do that, but they can't quite quite get their points across sometimes. And uh, you can tell it's a bit frustrating for them more than anything because they're not quite sort of saying what they want to say. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And of course, that's a Victoria's Academy derby, isn't it? Zhao against Mink, so they'll uh, they'll know each other pretty well. Um, Zhao plays there every day. Mink's been in and out of there, but um, yeah, they'll. Uh, I'm sure they'll have played numerous times on the practice table. I saw actually Mark Williams was there this week, just gone. Oh yeah. Um, Victoria tweeted a picture of him having a practice match with Yan Bing Tao, which I'm sure will have been a very high quality affair. I mean, the stuff you could see if you just hang around these kind of places, watch these practice games, would be amazing. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't know what makes me think of this, but when Kyron joined us and he. Obviously, it wasn't a Victoria, it's a long time ago, but he mentioned Ding uh, and how um, we, one of the listeners asked a question about which one almost didn't live up didn't live up to it to some extent, what you saw mm. in practice. Very surprising answer, Ding. Was not expecting yeah. to hear that because Ding has actually had a brilliant career. But Kyron was saying, yeah, obviously he's had a brilliant career, but he was so ridiculous in practice. You know, he was like 
playing, I think Chloe might have said PlayStation or however, one of those games type of things. I'm not really a video game person, but that kind of men, you know, mentality behind it was so extraordinary. And you, you'll see that quality in Victoria's, wouldn't you? With, with the pressure off on the practice table, you must see some amazing snooker in there. Yeah, and anyway, really, these guys in practice are ridiculous. You see it when they're in exhibitions and stuff, the amount of 147s people make when they're just sort of playing uh, with no pressure on. Uh, it's incredible. And Ding's one of those players. Occasionally, he'll come up in conversation with other snooker players and people talk about him so, like, reverentially. He, like, other snooker players are such big fans of his game. Um, so, yeah, it is weird because I remember that question for Kyron and you were almost expecting him to say someone we've never heard of that yeah. he'd seen in the club or something. You, he fancied too well and it all went wrong for him. So to say someone who's won loads and loads of ranking titles yeah. uh, was a surprise. But, yeah, that's how highly play, other players especially regard Ding. And, um, and he's a weird one, isn't he? I was, I was surprised, even though it's only last year. He was in this tournament last year, um, I think, on the world rankings. And oh. that's how badly he's dropped off because he couldn't be... He's, absolutely miles away from that now um but he's still only in his mid-30s he's still got loads of time to do anything in the game really and we'll, we'll go to some english open qualifiers later on but he looked absolutely amazing in his game this week so um yeah he, he, i'm sort of fascinated by his career at the minute and where it's gonna go oh yeah i mean to me he's one of the great enigmas i mean he did absolutely nothing before he won that last uk mm. and was nothing after and he was brilliant at that UK. I mean, just the talent of the man is is quite extraordinary. Even after all these years, it's still it can still wow when he's on song, no question. And as you say, the way players, the way people talk about him, including Ronnie, Ronnie will just be be a god when he's talking about Ding, and that's always a big sign. When all roads lead to Bolton, Phil, um, not for us, we're not going, but for, <laughs> for, for those that are, and you know, we should say we'd love to hear from people that are going, wouldn't we? Because um, you know we. We can only talk with a, a a certain degree of authority about somewhere we're not going to. So, you know, we want our eyes and ears to be you, you know, what you what you don't like of the venue, what you do, you know, and just generally about the whole bowling experience. Do get in contact at talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. And we said it before, but I, I'm certainly getting messages. People really looking forward to the tournament. Quite a, people, a lot of people are going that I think fans do kind of almost take this off at the start and listen, times are tough, so you can't necessarily go to as many events as people would love to. I think we're all a little bit in that boat, aren't we, as sports fans and watchers and or whatever entertainment we're into. But people, a lot of people make a priority of going to this, particularly those in the Northwest or the North generally, maybe even the Midlands, they can get to Bolton. They really make a priority of making this one. Yeah, well, you guarantee great games, don't you? I guess you'd go for the day and watch watch three um, so yeah, that's a great day out, and uh, yeah, we'd love to know about what the experience there at Bolton is. Um, I've been to, I've been to what you know, it's previously the Reebok, wasn't it? I've been to watch Barnsley there, um, and it's got sort of a long uh, history of match because they always, they always used to have the UK Open there in the darts um, at the because it's at the football ground, isn't it? This is part of the ground or right by it anyway. It's um, the University of Bolton is called. Isn't yeah, it? that's called now. Yeah, University of Bolton Stadium. Um, so yeah, you do let us know what it's like. Uh, all all the usual questions, you know, what's the food options like? How comfy are the seats? Um, they sound like sort of minor issues, but see, as we said before, it's usually important for a day out. So yeah, let us know. I think if memory serves, food was really bad here. People said, but that may have changed. So that these are important things to know. 
I'm a big one for knowing about the fan experience. I think it's a vital part of snooker. So please do let us know, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at, at talkingsnooker. Uh, live on ITV uh, for here in the UK. And what do we say for all international viewers, Phil? We don't like to declare it ourselves. We like to pass the buck <laughs> yeah. to World Snooker Tour. Direct them there. So, say that Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf sent you. <laughs> yeah. And 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 uh, and and they'll know that how the details because it, these do change. It's quite fluid, and uh, I know. In all seriousness, we do get quite a lot of frustrated international yeah. saying that things are sometimes sorted out late, or there are times they can't actually see things. But I think that's very that is to be fair, pretty rare now. You normally would be on Matchroom Live. I think it's sometimes on Facebook, and we are generally promised that certainly a good ninety or percent of the time people can, I think, see anything now wherever they are. It should be the case, and uh, yeah, sometimes there's sort of yeah things go wrong, and you know we're very very lucky over here. We, we get a lot of complaints from viewers over here, but you know I'd imagine trying to follow the sport uh, in many other countries is far trickier. But uh, yeah, the World Snooker are good uh, in general of putting all the links up and putting the list of places across the world. So yeah, keep an eye on that if you're looking at how to watch it. You've been keeping an eye on the English Open qualifiers, haven't you? Uh, Thick and fast action throughout the week and uh, nearly coming to an end. Yep. Um, yeah, they're coming to an end this evening. I think they might be on the last one as we're speaking. Um, but yes, a few notable results. Um, mentioned that uh, that exciting Mint game. Uh, lost, but she ended up losing Chen. Um, Ding's game was, uh, as I said, absolutely mad stuff from him. He beat Ian Burns 4-0 in no time at all. Uh, Burns didn't score a point in the first three frames um, as Ding made 106, 138, 134. Uh, and the fourth frame was a bit closer, but Ding still made a half century and won it. Was that your double yellow joke? Yeah, yeah. Very good. I remember it now. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, that's like we were saying, that's why people, he can do stuff like that. It's uh, quite incredible. Um, Mohamed Ibrahim, who is the African champion, has finally got over and he made his debut. Uh, made a century, so it looked impressive, but he did lose 4-2 to Dave Gilbert. I mean, very hard game that for him first up, but an impressive start. Um, you don't really know the standard they're going to be playing at, uh, the guys from the regional qualifiers, but obviously looks like he can handle himself, which is impressive. Um, I watched a bit of Zhang Ander beat Stephen Maguire 4-0, um, which, you know, we know Zhang Ander's a very good player, but you've got good odds on him beating Maguire 4-0. Um, I watched a bit of Andres Petrov, who got his first win as a professional. Um, he, the Estonian player who's playing the new pro from Brazil, Victor Sarkis, and that was a tense decider. Um, Petrov won 4-3. And the return of Deshawat Pumjang, which a lot of people were excited about. He's finally got over after coming through the new Asian Q school and won his first game back on tour. And not an easy one, beat Ersenbacher 4-3. Um, so good to have him back. Um, and there are plenty of others, obviously, but they were the, the few I scribbled down as memorable ones. It was a great game, actually. Sam Craigie beat Graham dot 4-3. Uh, Craigie got a long way into a one four seven in one of those frames. Um, so, yeah, lots, uh, lots of rumbling on through these weeks, and there were some, some memorable games in there. Oh, definitely. And the good news for those winners is that, of course, not only do they get to progress further in a, in a racket on them, but they get to spend Christmas in Brentwood. So every, everyone's a winner. <laughs> of course, we got the UK Championship qualifiers as well, uh, starting next Saturday. So 
that does really show, doesn't it? Unusual for tournaments to overlap, and they kind of are, aren't they? Because the champion and champions will still be going on its later stages. And the UK Championship qualifiers in Sheffield uh, taking place, which which means, a you know, a very World Championship-esque scenario where the top 16 are already going through to the main venue in York and will play uh, the 16 uh, players to come through those qualifiers. And uh, it does mean an awful lot of difference when we come to the UK in that venue. No sports all anymore. I think you might say it's actually only going to be two tables in operation, actually. Yeah. Just thinking about the schedule. So it, I, I have to say it, it might not be perfect, but I, I can see the thinking here, you know, and I bet the BBC are I've been a, a big player in this. You're going to get big names and that, and that kind of concentrated feel, you know, one match streaming, one match made on, on the main television service. So it, it's a, all changed, but it means that, you know, packed qualifying programme and obviously so much at stake for those matches to get through to such a big tournament. Oh, definitely. And yeah, I mean, there, there's been some growing criticism of the UK over recent years that it's almost like a, just a home nations event with a lot of prize money. And that you can't really level that at it now with um, those main stages are going to feel pretty big deal um, compared to how they have been recently. Um, you know, that that sort of sports hall uh, ven- second venue in there, not second venue, but second room in the same venue, uh, got real bad criticism from players. I've, I've heard players say it's the worst room they played in all year. Mm-hmm. Uh it's sort of loud, you're right by road. You said, if you, who was I speaking to recently? I was talking to about it. Might have been Joe Perry. He's saying that if you sort of a, a large lorry went past, um, you know, the, the doors were rattling almost, the balls were really shaking. <laughs> um, it just, it sounded bad. Anyway, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, of course, it means that not all the players are getting to go to York. So that's not as cool, is it? I mean, they're going to scrap it out in Ponds Forge. Some of them, if you're coming in the first round, you've got to win four games to get to York. So it's a, it's hard work. Um, but I think this change seems to have gone down well, I think. Um, it changes changes for lower-ranked players. I wrote that piece, I think it was last year, but around the UK, yeah. about how it was such a massive thing for tour survival because it was six and a half grand or, or nothing. Um, and for it's not that anymore. It's like the World Championship system. So if you come in... At the third round of qualifying, you guaranteed some more money there. But I think we were saying before, when you have to win the game to get it on your on your ranking. But it, it's it's the whole. It's got rid of that sort of crucially important uh, first round for some players, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go down for some of it because it seems it's in Sheffield, which is handy for me. Uh, and there's some there's some good games right from the off actually. Um, even the the lowest ranked players coming in because you got the likes of Marco Fu there. He's got Bai Lang Ning, so that'll be a good test for him. Uh, Hendry's playing in this one, treating t- treating us to a appearance. He's got Andrew yeah. Padgett in the first round. <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> he always said, I mean, I don't know what he thinks about this, because he always said the UK is one he would play in. Yeah. And he, he wants to play where there's going to be a crowd and a bit of something special about it. And now he's not got to go to York. He's got, he's in Bunsford, so he might not like this change that much, but we'll see. Uh, how he gets on. And Liam Davies um, is, has got a go in this. He's playing Alfie Burden, so that's going to be a good test for the guy who looks like one of the brightest prospects in, in the game, really. So as a test against a, a, a grizzled veteran like Burden will be good. Well, that's one of the beauties of the game. How many years difference is there between those two? Got, is it 30? Oh. No, that, that might be being a bit too much on it. Is that... not, 
There's probably about, about that, yeah. Cool part, well, heavens above, yeah, that's one of the, the sort of many magic things about snooker. I think that different generations can meet like that. That's a, that's a really nice one. Oh, oh, looking ahead to the actual UK and the, you talk about the criticism of the format, I still think there's something... I, I said this a couple of times now, and people will probably say there's very good reasons why not, but I wonder... If a, if a way around this sort of semi-final thing, because most of, us, most of us identify that it would make a big difference, I think, if they had longer semis. Why don't they do them concurrently? I know it's not traditional, I know it's not the way we normally do things, but why not? Why not? Because, you know, there's plenty of examples of that. I mean, it, I don't know, going back historically, I remember big county cricket semi-finals on the same day uh, that had a certain spirit and quality about it. Uh, you can choose which match to watch. Maybe not. I don't know. There are probably good reasons why not. Broadcasters might not want that, I guess. But mm. I just think there'd be something about having uh, something different for a very special tournament of having concurrent semi-finals. What a super satellite that would be. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, and I think that is generally the sort of everyone would agree that they want so long as semi-finals in this game. So in this tournament, sorry. Um, so that could be an option around it. I don't know. It would feel a, it would feel a little bit unsatisfactory, I think. But uh, then you get the game. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see him doing it, to be honest. But it's an idea, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll see how this tournament goes down. It's it's weird. There's a lot of changes. Sort of, it seems with the with the money, the guaranteed money or the loan, at least however you want to call it. That was a good step. Then changed the UK, so more more moving away from the flat one to eight. Uh, you know, these are sort of anti but anti the Barry Hearn era moves in, in, in a way, aren't they? And I think they're, they're largely being uh, welcomed. Uh, there was talk about, uh, I know Sean and Phil on uh, the 147 podcast were talking about um, a change to the ranking system potentially uh, is being discussed at least, which again would be a move away from sort of Barry's ideas. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, people want these things. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes away because the Barry Hearn era was undoubtedly like a massive success mm-hmm. for the sport. Like no one would argue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we're sort of slowly taking the things away from that era, uh, that even though they seem to be widely popular choices, uh, we probably just have to be a bit careful because we might be dismantling stuff that you know was very good for the game. So um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that's sort of a wider point anyway. You're getting a nice way of saying it there. I, I, I agree very much with that. There was a cutthroat element to the bar. I can hear, hear him saying now, no, no, no rewards for second place. And they got, to, you know, players have got to earn their right. They've got, you know, if they don't win, they get nothing. Very cutthroat for many people, too harsh. But there's no doubt that not just the spirit of that, but that kind of ethos propelled the game in that decade or so, which was hugely successful. So so you're right. It it, it was a little bit more utilitarian in the last year or two, some things that are coming in, and we generally welcome them. But yes, there's a balance to be struck there. I think that's a a good way of expressing it. We we don't want to lose that, that, the hunger feel. I think Jason Ferguson has said it very well on here and other places. You know, he's a former pro himself, and he's very keen to point out that actually... Okay, back in his day, but I don't think human nature changes that much. Players would get a bit more complacent if they thought they were getting a few more things. Human nature, we don't want to lose that. We want people to be hungry as well. So, listen, mind you, most people have welcomed the 20,000. That's a great mm-hmm. thing. 
And uh, who, who was I talking to recently? I'm not sure now. And, and they were just expressing that just how how valuable that that is, and it just takes all the pressure off. He's lying, saying up in in Leeds, wasn't he? Oh, I thought it was sooner than that for me, but certainly, yeah, it it might well have been that. Peter was definitely saying that that, uh, and it's the mentality thing as well, isn't it? It's not like, you know, you know, it, it's week in week out. If if you have don't have to worry about necessarily going to always do a different job or how you're going to pay the next bill, if you've got that fail safe, you can just concentrate on your snooker more. But I totally get what you're saying, you know. But I think Barry's an unbelievable one-off character. Now, Steve Dawson's got his own character, his own very good character, but no one is going to quite compare to Barry. And even though Barry is still very heavily involved and his spectre's there, it's going to be a bit different without Barry because he is such an extraordinary driving force and he has such extraordinary charisma. And a little bit of that has been lost. Let's not kid ourselves. Not, Not a huge amount. That spirit's still there, but a little bit of that. So without the man... We're probably losing a little bit of that of that force as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not I've not been against any of these moves. I, I mean, certainly uh, the 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 guaranteed money, a hundred percent in favour of. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a strange point really because I'm not yeah, I'm not arguing against any of them, but it's just something that I suppose as a sport they want to be careful of when lots of little ideas seem to make sense, but then you might find yourself in a in a in the future they've made a huge difference. Uh, without sort of seeming to do so at the time, if you see what I mean. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. When I was speaking to Louis Heathcote about the the guaranteed money, he was he was over the moon about it, really. And uh, it was the point that you made there, because um, you're actually almost everyone isn't going to have any more money than they would have had before, because there's not many players who earn less than twenty grand uh, in a season anyway. Um, but it's the reassurance and it's taking the pressure off mm. and not having to work shifts in a bar or at the club or anything and just practicing and not not trying to pop balls thinking oh this is paying my council tax or something daft um you know just doing it uh and getting to show your talent a bit more so yeah that was uh that was a superb move yeah definitely and uh well we look forward to you know the uk championship those qualifiers our cup runneth over champion of champions the uk getting underway then the UK main stage is, of course, coming very soon in York. And just to say, Phil, that uh, our next episode, uh, while we remember, uh, in partnership with Sporting Life, is going to look ahead to the UK Championship. And we're going to be joined by one of the most familiar voices in this sport, Eurosport commentator, Philip Studd. And we can't wait to have Philip on here, can we, to, to go through those UK matches. And then it'll be mouthwatering. You know, it'll be like a World Championship feel, won't it? So we'll have great company, a, a really top guest presenter. And we'll do that episode with Sporting Life soon, looking ahead to the UK. And it's going to be different. But what it does mean is it, it, there's good and bad about this. But there's no Sean Murphy-esque outrageous shock anymore. Those guys are being protected, aren't they? They're going through to the main stages. And it means the two biggest events in the game, ranking-wise, certainly, have that same ethos about them now. Yeah, and you get uh, the, the, the feeling that you get the World Championship. You know, these guys coming through qualifying, you've won at least two matches, or as many as four, um, will be confident, like really confident, um, playing well. I mean, they could be, you know, number 17 in the world. They could be very, very, very good players. Uh, and they're going to be great players. They've got there um, against guys who are not quite as sharp. So that that sort of contrast is interesting. 
Um, and yeah, it's going to be great. And yeah, looking forward to having Phil on. Uh, he's a uh, widely experienced, isn't he? A pundit, uh, commentator. Sorry. Um, I mean, he, he used to do the radio, didn't he? Before I remember, I think that's how he started. Um, so yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about. So that's going to be that's going to be great. I think he might want a little bit more of a better strap line than he knows what he's talking about, though. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Oh, that's that. <laughs> he does with knobs on. He was a, he was of course the BBC Radio man before Jamie Broughton, and then as you and now Eurosport, and you're right, top voice. We really can't wait to, to share that, our time on here with him when he joins us soon to preview the UK Championship. Well, one news line to bring you. Um, we're going to shoot off soon. And this is surrounding Liang Wenboa, of course, who's been in the news for, for for all the wrong reasons, for various reasons in recent times. Well, he's been suspended from the professional snooker tour again, this time for an ongoing investigation into allegations of misconduct. Uh, the 35-year-old was due to play Peter Lines in the English Open qualifier on Thursday morning, but was stopped from doing so. The World Professional Billiards and Snooker Association has now confirmed he is suspended from all WPBSA sanctioned events while the investigation is ongoing. The nature of the misconduct allegations has not been divulged, but they are not related to Liang's conviction for assault earlier this year. Phil, we should move on to any other business. We're going we're gonna to disappear for this Sunday night and uh, look forward to, to a great tournament ahead. I must mention your Lee Stevens piece, fabulous read. Uh, which you, you teed up. Very interesting. Uh, I've seen him on social media say how much of an, an honour it was to speak, and you said the honour was all yours. It's a, a really nice piece, and it voices what I think we we all would like to see, which is strong representation from the black community in this sport. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's just uh, it's unusual, I suppose, how uh, how few we've seen almost no black players, really, over the history of snooker at the, sort of the top level of the game. Um, and it's an anomaly, really, isn't it? Uh, you'd like to see uh, a wide variety of, uh, of players from all over the world and all different races, all, all as, as diverse a, a cast of characters as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you know, you get the usual replies on social media saying, Oh, I shouldn't be handed anything. And if you read the piece, that's exactly what Lee says, you know, he doesn't want anything given to him for anything. Um, but you know, there's a reason why there must be reasons why. Snooker is not as popular amongst the black community, um, or if it actually is popular, because you go to clubs and you see black players in there. There's, it's not like no black guys play snooker. Yeah. Uh, but why are they not making that move to towards the professional game? Or you know, is there a reason? Let's try and find out and try and improve it if we can. Uh, so it's all just part of that conversation. But yeah, it's fascinating to speak to Lee. Um, he's had a, is a really interesting sort of time in snooker. Obviously, as amateur throughout, throughout and. Uh, he was not expecting to reach the final of the WSF Championship uh, earlier this year out of nowhere, being 40 now, just playing part-time. Uh, an amazing thing, really. And he got to play in the World Championship qualifiers off the back of that. He's playing in the UK qualifiers coming up. Uh, so that'd be good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, have a read of that if, if you haven't already. No, it, it, it really is a good piece. And, uh, yeah, one important thing that I really noticed as well, He, you know, he, he said he's not seen or heard anything that's that's appertained to any kind of racism whatsoever in his time in snooker and it makes me think that uh, this is what i believe I, I believe in our heart we are 
a very inclusive sport. N nearly everybody I know in it has, pretty much nearly everybody has that ethos and has that desire. Doesn't always manifest itself into practicalities for one reason or another, very nuanced reasons. Perhaps we need to have a longer discussion about one day. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> look at the spirit behind the World Mixed Doubles, for example, people wanting women's snooker to grow. You know, we want different communities represented, you know, and listen, we can, if, if the star is just talking about it and bringing it more into the open, which you've done here, and we're all trying to do to some extent, then it's a very good start. Well, yeah, I think that's it. Just it's something to have a conversation about and try and sort of openly talk about um, because, yeah, I don't, I don't, it wasn't certainly trying to be a negative piece at all. And I thought, I agree, that was great that Lee had never had any sort of experience of that in Snook and all he had was really positive things to say about his time in the sport. And he loves it. He just absolutely loves it, being involved in it. Um, and would just like to get as many other people involved in it. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a conversation to be had because we want the sport to grow um, as much as possible. And uh, yeah, that's that's one sort of community to look at. I mean, it's far from the only sport. You know, um, you're a big golf man, aren't you? And there's obviously very famous examples of top golf black golfers, aren't there? But um, it's, it's predominantly a white sport, isn't it? But and uh, I'm sure they are often doing that, but often having that conversation in that sport as well. But I mean, how many uh, black young black players will have Tiger Woods inspired? So you just need to you really want you really want someone to appear and uh, and do really well, uh, and then to inspire the next generation. I think that's what Lee was saying. Um, even if it's a sort of limited success that black players have, make the most of it just publicity wise, mm -hmm. and that could have a, a wide ranging impact. Yeah, no, indeed. And uh, I know you plugged that on your Twitter and that's on, on the Metro site as well, uh, Phil's piece with Lee Stevens. Have you got anything else pressing, sir, with this any other business section or should we say au revoir? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a slight anomaly on that Liang news, isn't there, about um, he's still in the UK draw. We were saying this before we came in there, and, but he's suspended. So I'll, I'll find out what's happening with that as soon as possible. And... Uh, like you know, on Twitter or whatever, because um, these in these investigations could really rumble on for a while. So I'd be surprised if it's done by the time he plays. He's due to play his UK qualifier, but we'll see. Um, and the only other thing was they'd done the German Masters draw, haven't they, as well? Um, and that's an all-star cast for that. Ronnie's in it, which he isn't always, um, so that's good. And Hendry's in that as well. Um, he's playing Matthew Stevens in the first round, which is a very nostalgic, lovely clash. That oh. and. Higgins against Fu as well in the first round. Um, having Marco Fu right near the bottom of the rankings is a real sort of wild card in there, isn't it? Just you don't really want to get drawn against him and just a repeat of their recent semi-final in Hong Kong, which is the amazing uh, game where Marco made that 147. So that's a nice one. Are you planning to go to Berlin? Yeah, that, that's... I mean, I've made no arrangements, but I would love to. And um, it's certainly on the list of things to sort out. We've been thwarted so many times we're starting to take it personally, but maybe this time yeah. in the new year we'll get there. Keep your thoughts coming to us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or indeed tweet us at Talking Snooker. It's going to be a great event, the Champion of Champions. Enjoy it if you're going. Enjoy it if you're watching on television. These are the weeks to relish the UK Championship around the corner. Great time to be a snooker fan. And see you next time, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure as always. Thanks to everyone for listening and uh, see you soon. 
Enjoy the champion of champions. It's going to be a special week, all underway on Monday in Bolton and continuing for the next seven days. Then we're straight away. They overlap indeed into the UK qualifiers and then the UK Championship around the corner when we'll have Philip Studd on this podcast uh, to look ahead to that great tournament. But for now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.